Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And by cracky, here we are again. It's my independence report for a Wednesday. I'm so looking forward to today because a good friend of mine who's become actually become a good friend of mine in the last, you know, I don't know, a couple of months. His name is Eric hall and he's with us he's an author of note and uh, he is writes short stories and i there's a novel in him i know there is and we're gonna and we are gonna delve into that today a little bit but but uh, first of all eric how are you i'm doing well kevin doing well kevin it's a good day good day to be an american good day to be part of the planet that's slowly getting cleaned up you know it's a step forward step forward isn't it interesting how one week and one day, it feels like that there is a brightness that is coming on us that that hasn't wasn't there before. That 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 darkness is is slowly receding, and it's really cool to. And I don't know if, for people that work during the day, they might not get a chance to see the uh, press uh, corps and the press secretary do interviews, but they're actually doing inter- they're daily. actually doing interviews again, daily daily stuff. And and he's coming on, and he's actually. I know this is going to be weird, but he tells the truth. I know. <laughs> he doesn't. I know. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Um, he tells us that the COVID is going to suck before it gets better, and uh, what he's going to do about it, and then he goes about doing it. So I'm I'm just real thrilled for, for, for to have these things going on. You know, and he thinks ahead. Yes. You know, this uh, whole climate issue that I was listening to a speech, what was that, about an hour ago? He, he came on and was talking about the climate situation. He just signed an executive order uh, to bring in oh, alternative power, you know, bring an end to the Keystone Pipeline, um, continue with what we've established with fracking, but not new, re, not new make any new contracts. He's talking about investing into solar and wind power, you know, and creating, and he's talking about it in the terms of developing new jobs in this situation rather than approaching it by fear base. If we don't do this by the end of the by the end of this decade, we're all going to be breathing fumes. You know, he's not saying that. He's saying <laughs> it's time for America to lead a new way of thought about how we power our homes and power our transportation. Absolutely. Eat our food, grow our food. You know, this is uh, this is what we've needed. This is what we've needed. Well, and like I said before, you know, people can say what they want about Biden, but uh, here he is, and he's doing the job. You know, I, I tell you, I watched. I didn't, didn't get a chance to watch him today. I've been rather busy, but but yesterday I watched him, and it you can see the transformation in him. It's like it's like this job he was born to do, and he he looked he, yesterday when I was watching him. He looked healthy, he looked coherent, he looked positive, and he, he really was saying some really good stuff. Yesterday he was talking about COVID, uh, 
Um, but he was talking in terms that we could all relate to. And it was, it was really, I, I was for the first time since, um, 2012, I think it was, I am really proud to watch the president of the United States again. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't feel the shame that I felt, you know, when, you listen to the previous administration talk about just about everybody else in a way that was disrespectful and, you know, ignorant. Yes. It ignorant. Was, There's just, how else do you put it? Uh, there, there really is no other way to put it. I mean, it was, it was, he was interested in himself only. And if you crossed him, then he would, uh, yell and scream at you, but he didn't want to do the work. He didn't want to get in and, and figure out how to make things better. That wasn't what he was about. It was about the pomp and circumstance and him being all powerful and then going to play golf and everybody loved him and all that kind of, you know, that, that was in his world. Uh, because for whatever reason, 74,000 people voted for him, or 74 million people voted for him, which I'm hopeful that they will reconsider <laughs> that as we go along. But, uh, you know, anyway. So imagine, I imagine this trial that's coming up is a second impeachment trial. I'm hoping that uh, these people understand who he is. Because I, what, you know, I mean, you've been watching the news and what they're, hinting about what they found as evidence is alarming oh i know alarming. and well and they haven't even they haven't even got they've only been in there a week and they haven't gotten into how alarming it's going to end up being uh because yeah. there is some really some huge stuff that's gone on uh with him and so it's it's going to be uh it's going to be uh uh interesting to watch i'm 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 a student of history as i know you are and so it'll be interesting to see what what happens with that uh and if the republicans will get rid of who they who they pretend to be and actually decide that they're going to work on behalf because there is on behalf of the country because there is no way that anybody can argue that he did not incite the riot on the 6th. There's, I can't imagine somebody arguing that point. I can't either. Ted Cruz and uh, the other guy and the woman. The, the, I forget her name. In the last couple of days came out that she was a proponent of having Pelosi killed. <laughs> killed. She's a member of Congress. Congress. How can we possibly allow these people in our government after that? I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. And I'm, I'm hopeful that over time that they will see that, that he is working, that Biden I'm talking about, is working for the betterment of the country and that they let this Trump thing go uh, and realize that he was not good for the country. Uh, well, and you, I guess you'll have to ask those 425,000 people that have died of COVID now if they think he was good for the country. So it's, it's sad. But on to brighter and better things because I'm, I'm excited about um, having you be on the show and continuing to work with you. You're, you're, you are a, Thank a you, smart guy. Um, and a very positive guy. He's also a bus driver currently. 
I used to be one of those. Um, and But I wanted to talk to you about, to start with, and we're going to talk about some transportation issues in a little bit, uh, like a, a, a one that I think that it's it really is an interesting idea. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, transient or, or, or transit transients what that is your website uh that's what it and your your whole website is transit transients and other stories.com and what does transients mean to you what does that mean well transient i use it as a verb rather than a noun which most people think of they see a homeless person and they they think well that person is a transient transient and that might be accurate but uh, when it's used as a verb it means that uh, something is in motion something is changing transient um, my my hot wheel riding on my my arm is uh, being transient see oh gotcha I just love playing with hot wheels you, so i had to see i lost my hot wheels when i was like 10 Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I know. Well, I moved a lot, you know. So, so when we're talking about transience, we're talking about motion, about things are changing. We're talking about motion, and as you know, we we travel in space. You know, the Earth at about sixty four thousand miles an hour, or a second, or some god awfully fast number, and. Where our molecules that our mind holds together as we pass through this world is constantly in motion. So in my mind, everything is transient. We all have something to talk about in the way of uh, what's coming up next. And uh, that's what I like to write about. Everything I write about is uh, something that is evolving rather than static. And that's what the, the, everything is evolving everything is revolving around uh everything that's life um and we are you know our molecules are moving all the time this table that's right in front of me is moving all the time at yes. some at some level everything is alive and it's that's and, right and it's moving and it's that's it, right and people think that that some people think, oh, that's a that's just a woo-woo idea. And it's like, but it's it's scientifically based. That it is. That it is. Everything has a place in this universe. And its place is to create motion uh, or as the catalyst for something else. We feed off each other. We bounce off each other. Uh, and, and that's what it is, period. Correct. I think. And I think that's our whole experience as humans or creatures of this planet is to exist uh, uh, moving as we exist, well, you moving know, and evolving. Well, you know, now that you mentioned that, oh, my goodness gracious, just had an epiphany. What that means, you know what that means, don't you? Maybe. <laughs> okay, what that means is this, is that, what was happening in your life yesterday does not need to happen today or tomorrow because it's continually evolving. It's continually changing. And so you have got the ability on a day-by-day -day basis to change the dynamics of what's going on in your life 
and make them better and make them different than what they are today. So you can't say, which, which is really why I really like the title, because as I was as I was looking at the the um, the definition of it, because I had to look it up, because I'm not you know, for me it's got more than four words or four letters, so I, I have trouble with it. Um, but 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 for me it, it it means that that everything that's happening now doesn't what happened yesterday doesn't have to happen today, and you get to be in control of what happens tomorrow a little bit more because you can choose the path and choose the way that you want to be and how you want to live your life tomorrow and how you drive your bus tomorrow. And it's like I, I used to, when I was driving the bus, I had the opportunity with every trip to be able to create something new and not, not have the same thing happen. I know we, we both get on this website that is that that is bus drivers and they're lamenting the fact that yesterday was the same as today is the same as tomorrow the same transients get on the same deadbeats the same people don't pay but it's your response to that that makes the change can't do anything about those guys but the change that you want you have the ability to create that on a day-by-day basis that's why i i think that what you wrote there is so brilliant well, thank you. Is that what you well, meant? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, it is. As a matter of fact, and you know, it's fascinating as a bus driver. This this is what surprised me probably the most out of driving because I've always enjoyed driving, but driving a bus is a meditative experience. You're right, because there are probably a few jobs where living in the moment, being present in the moment is so crucial to surviving the moment. <laughs> you know, I can think of a, like a brain surgeon. Now, I'm not going to compare bus driving to brain surgery. Certainly not. Um, but I will say that it's in the same realm as what you do at that microsecond is as important to the outcome of the person's lives that are in your care as brain surgery. So there is a correlation. I'm not going to claim it's as cool. Or if you take a one approach, a jazz musician who's living in that moment and has all those layers of key and rhythm and uh, expression of tone, all those things add up to being aware of what's happening in the moment and what's coming up next. So I will put it in that same category that uh, you're responsible for the moment. You have the ability to be more alive in every microsecond than perhaps uh, than perhaps uh, uh, writing something. Well, well, I'll, when I write, it's a different experience. Oh, exactly. But now let me let me um, for the, those that have never you know driven a bus, and there's going to be one or two of you. That, as a matter of fact, nobody in my world, whenever I they said, "Gee, I need a better job," I'd say, "Well, you want to be a bus driver?" And they say, "No, I said I want a better job." And, <laughs> I don't want to don't want a crappy job. I want a better job. And but what they so so some people have never driven a bus. And so let me explain a bit how it works. Is that you go to work, you sign in to work. You've got ten minutes, eighteen minutes now. It used to be ten. You got eighteen minutes to get your bus all pre-checked or or to get to where your your uh, spot is that you're going to uh, do a road relief. And then from the moment that you get on the bus. You have to be aware of everything 
around you, your surroundings. You don't get to take minutes off. You don't get to take seconds off because that's when you have a problem. And that's you, right. You can get into an accident. It, I, I can't tell you how quickly it, it, you can get into an accident um, if you're not paying attention. Or you have issues that are on the bus or people that are on the bus. You have to be. A, so even a brain surgeon, while they're in the operating room doing their brain surgery, yes. But when they're in their office looking at stuff, there are they've got lots more downtime than we do. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want so. I don't want them to be too tired. No, you're right. <laughs> That's right. I want them to, you know, cut the right part of the brain away. <laughs> so but but we but you as a bus driver do not have the ability to just take time off and still be working and still driving your bus. You still have to be cognizant and aware of everything around you. And I have done multiple things for a living throughout my life. And when I get home from my eight-hour day, my nine-hour day, ten-hour day, I come home, I'm thoroughly spent. Yeah. I feel like I've put in a full day's work. And it's not because of physical activity. My mind is, uh, as much as I love living in the moment, my mind is uh, needs a rest. Mm-hmm. I need to put on that sitcom. I need to put on, you know, some sort of escape movie. Uh, And even reading a book at that point is more strenuous than what my mind wants. Sometimes I just want to turn on the radio and go to sleep. Yeah, that's that's how much you have to be aware. And I don't think uh, people think of bus driving in those terms, the amount of awareness that it takes. It's good to have strong peripheral vision. It's good to have good uh, ears. And it's good to know where you're at and everybody that that is on your bus, where they're at, how many people you have on the bus, what their special needs might be. You know, you can go down the list. And the more aware of each of those things, the the better it's going to be, the easier it's going to be for everybody. So there's a lot going on uh, perception-wise as a bus driver. I'm convinced that most really good bus drivers have got a degree of psychic ability. I think there's something to that. Because if in order for you to do your job really well, you have to be and you have to anticipate, have to anticipate ahead of of what traffic is going to do. Is that is there somebody that's going to run the red light or, you know, or whatever? And uh, what, what is that pedestrian thinking that is standing there on the very edge of the curb <laughs> as your bus is going in that lane and he's in your two, a foot and a half away from him? What's going what's he thinking? And uh, fortunately, I, I don't know, I don't think you have either. I've never had uh, death by uh, bus, which is uh, a form of suicide. I can't imagine why, but there have been people that have done that. So you have to be, you have to be cognizant and you have to be very aware. But that's what I like, really like about the title is everything's changing. Everything's in motion. Everything's changing. And you have the ability, that job more than most, you have the ability to determine how your day is going to go. That's right. You're in your own driver's seat. That's right. And uh, if you if you determine that you're going to do well and you're going to uh, let people uh, let people be, and and I, I you know I wish I could say 
that I was a great bus driver and I always, uh-oh. Is a, did I just kill myself? I just did, I think. No, no you're here. Oh, okay. Um, I, I hit my keyboard and uh, inadvertently, and that's that's a bad thing. And oh. any, in any event, so um, I just totally lost my train of thought. Anyway, so but I, I, I just wanted to let you know that I really like the title. And if you want to go learn more about Eric, you can go to his website, which again is Transit transients and other stories.com and it's at wordpress now is there actually a story of transit transients i the first uh, it's a it started it's starting out as a blog and i'm i'm taking some of the stories off the blog expanding them and putting them into the book and there is a paragraph or a, a story called uh, transit transients and it's the opening of my blog. It was the first story that I wrote. And it was about, uh, let's see, two summers ago, I was what they call an Orca card reader, which means I stood at different bus stops. And this was during the summer, thank goodness. And we had a little computer and people could walk up and, and they tap their card onto our computer. And the concept was they could get in to any door in the bus. It'd be a little bit quicker and easier for everybody. Uh, and it was also so Metro had a presence out there uh, providing goodwill and directions, you know, all that great customer service stuff. So there was, uh, we stood a lot and watched uh, what was going on at these bus stops. And it was absolutely fascinating because any way that there is to be human it's happening out there. And not only is it uh, just humans, but there's also a certain amount of, you know, what we call wildlife with pigeons and uh, whatever other creatures uh, scuffle by us as we go about our business. Um, you know, all these things are ha happening at once. And, and I wrote a paragraph about it. And uh, that's how the whole thing started, you know, to become a blog. So now you are, um, have become a writer. You know, this is a, General, general, generally, this has been a recent development for you, isn't it? Last couple of years. Yes, um, I never, I never considered writing, and it was just a couple of years ago I started uh, Facebook. You know, I'd write little short stories about stuff, and people would say, "Hey, you know, I've really enjoyed that. You should write some more." And so I'd write another one, and then more people would read it, and I'd get more feedback and. People seem to like it, and then I started to take it more seriously, and that's really how it started. Well, you and know, that's, that's really where it's at. You know, interestingly enough, that's how we met. Is that I read one of your your posts, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and I responded to it and responded to you saying that was really good. You should do more of that, and then. <laughs> Then we found out that uh, we have common uh, people in our lives from years ago, and and that, small world. Yeah, it really is. Especially, it's really small that that you are uh, friends with uh, friends that I've known for you know thirty years. Um, I haven't been around them all that much of late. And we were both at their wedding. We were. You were. I was at their wedding. So was I. I know. My wife did the flowers for the wedding. My ex-wife. They were beautiful. You remember? Of course. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were beautiful. 
Yeah, they, they were. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll never forget. So we were both at, the, at their wedding, and, and thank God they're still married today. Um, and they're a good couple. They are. They are. They're a good couple. They were there, you know, and Mary was, I was talking with Mary about uh, when my wife, my ex-wife and I were going through our troubles and she was like, you know, when Rick and I were going through our troubles, you guys stood there and you helped us out a lot. And so we want to help you out a lot too. And my wife, my ex-wife, the reason why she's my ex-wife said, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm done with, you know, so I'm, I'm done with that boy. So that was, that was the end of that. But in any event, um, Eric Hall is Eric Robert Hall, I do believe. Yes, sir. Is very Robert good. Hall. Now I wanted to ask you because here's some of the, you are a lot more plugged into the community than I am and a lot more plugged into like, uh, uh, what's, what's happening and stuff. Tell us about, uh, the gondola idea. This is fascinating to me, and I think this is an idea that's sort of at the right time, which unfortunately might be too late. And here's my thought behind that. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, you, you, just, you just messed with my brain. So it's the right time, but it might be too late. What, what, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, in 2000, I think it was 2008. Let me double check my information. 2009, 2012, uh, we voted on the light rail system to be expanded into West Seattle and Ballard. And we voted on that, and it's a very expensive process. It's Oh, yeah. Um, you know. It's millions of dollars a foot kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, 600-something dollars a mile, $64 million a mile. I mean, it's. It's a lot of money. And even more than that, you know, you got to dig up a lot of stuff. You got to, if you're going to tunnel, you know how expensive and, and uh, difficult of a process it is to have Bertha in town. And Bertha was the name of that drill. Right. And it always, every construction project takes longer than, than they hoped. Right. You know, and they put these budgets and they put the time frame on them. I truly believe that they mean what they say. But uh, just out of, you know, how things work, it always runs over in costs and runs over in time. And the, the real problems with that is that it affects commerce. Right. It affects people's homes. It affects people's uh, commute. So it has a lot of deleterious effects. And when you go into a place like West Seattle, where it's already a lot of density, and same with Ballard, there's already a lot of people there. And you want to construct something like light rail, where if you're going to dig under the ground and then come up to the surface and put uh, the light rail system down the middle of the street, you're cutting off people's access to those businesses on both, you know, the west and east side of these tracks and those businesses are going to suffer those people that are living on either side of the tracks are going to suffer and maybe when we think of things conventionally like a train system to move people it's going to be 
more cost effective in the way that more people are going to use that train system than they would a number of buses, we think, yeah, this is the right thing to do because we're not aware that, hey, there's an alternative. And I I believe that if uh, more people knew what the alternative, and this is what I mean by maybe it's too late, the voters already passed that the light rail system could be approved and put in because the idea of gondolas wasn't on their scope for whatever reason. Now, gondolas are more than a tenth less than the cost of the light rail system. That's a per mile cost. It's less than a tenth of the price. Well, what is, Plus, explain what the, before we go on, explain what a gondola is. Well, the easiest way to think of a gondola is uh, we've all, most of us know, have been on a ski lift or seen pictures of a ski lift. And then if you think of a gondola car like uh, the Ferris wheel, what is that, uh, our wheel downtown? Yeah, yeah. That would might be a gondola car where, you know, it's a comfortable place to sit that's heated, has room for multiples of people, and you step into it on a, a ground service and then it uh, catches on to the wire that takes it to wherever it is. And those things circle. So they're constantly in motion. They're constantly transient. And they're effective in moving people in the way that uh, they, they can even be safer. Because let's say a car goes by every 30, 30 to 40 seconds. So let's think of the young woman that just finished class or got off work at uh, 11 o'clock at night, and she's catching the gondola from the International District, needs to go home in Seattle. She gets to the station, and she's in that car within uh, 20, 30, within 30, 40 seconds. And she's safely inside this environmentally controlled gondola that's warm, that has a uh, Wi-Fi that has all the amenities and security cameras and so forth, and she's on her way. If you're waiting for a train, uh, they can run every 20 minutes. Right. And it takes a lot more space to build a train station than it does a gondola station. Um, I think it's 10,000 square feet to do a gondola station and it's quite a bit more than that to do a train station. So the footprint, not only of the stations is practically a 10th of what it is for a train station, but you also are clear of the street so that the cars going by during construction can still be allowed to some extent and buses and and so forth. Plus, you've got the alternative view of the city, which is, you know, gorgeous on itself. Now, this brings in an interesting um, issue that, you know, concerned me and probably most people because you have a height issue. And we all think of gondolas as a ski lift, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we start. We think, okay, well, I don't want to ride in a ski lift to Seattle. That scares the hell out of me. I don't want, it's going to be cold. Well, this is a different experience. They're a lot steadier. Like, um, let's see, New York has some that are big, 
Philippines, Asia. I mean, there's quite a number of countries that have gone to the gondola systems because they want to leave a smaller construction footprint. They don't have these huge budgets that uh, America has. You know, like we all know that departments out there, they have to spend the money that they've been allotted. Otherwise, they can't uh, they get lose that it for same next amount year, of money. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they have to come up with ways to spend. I'm not criticizing them for that. But that is a fact of uh, how we Americans get things done, right? We have to plan for the future. So we think big, but big isn't always the answer, particularly these days when we're, you know, we've got President Biden today talking about alternative means of thought to achieve the things that we need to do, much like cars. And I love cars, man. I used to race cars. I've been around cars my whole life. Cars are slowly becoming a thing of the past, as they should be because they're not effective transportation vehicles for the long run. We have better ways to get around. We have, you know, we can accomplish as much as we need to from the comfort of our living room as well, more than what our grandparents could do with their big DeSoto going into town for the weekend and then a country, country drive on Sundays. It's 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 just remarkable what you can do now uh, from from your home. I mean, this broadcast is is happening from my home, and uh, um, oh, uh, I can't take that right now. But uh, um, this this broadcast is happening from my home. Um, right after we get done with here, I'm going to get on Amazon and I'm going to order groceries. It'll be here between three and five this afternoon. I've got another podcast to do this afternoon. And then I can go play with TV and I've got all the, everything that I need and I can stay safe from people that, uh, that uh, may have the disease or may have COVID. And I don't want to do that. So it's, it's amazing. And you know what they're finding? which is really interesting is what they're finding is that there are people that, um, that, and companies that are working from home and they're finding that there is no drop off in productivity. In fact, their productivity is actually going up in some cases. And so rather than putting all those people into packing into trains to get downtown, it's, they don't need to do that as much anymore. And the buses, um, I know that you know this, the buses, because of COVID and stuff, and because people are working more from home, the commutes are down, to, they're, they're way down. Traffic is way down. The, I, I can see Mount Rainier. See, it's right behind me, but I can see Mount Rainier from where I live, and, and it used to be, it was all... Um, 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 smoggy and stuff. It had been if it had been a while since it rained and stuff. So I think that that moving into the future, I think you're right. This is that would be a really cool way to go. Well, isn't it beautiful to see a mountain that uh, you know we live under? Yeah, you yeah. know. And they're they're talking about how the sound is cleaner now. Waterways across the world are cleaner just because humans have been kept at home for a few months. You know, the world is recovering. It is time to think about things in different ways. Period. It, it is. We have. We have. We we have got no choice uh, when no. it comes down to it. And and we've got to. We've got to embrace the change. Well, you know, you were talking about President Biden today, and that he was talking about not only will, um, 
and I didn't I didn't listen to it, so I'll paraphrase, and then you can correct me where I'm wrong. But not only will it be better for the environment, but it can, we can create millions of good paying, clean jobs at the same time uh, as we're doing as we're putting this together. Does that is that kind of what he was talking about? Yes, and even the word locally came up. So that is to say that uh, let's say you and I wanted to get a job in in solar energy, we wouldn't have to move to Arizona. We could get a job here in Seattle. Like you said, we can do so much from the comfort of our home that uh, the need to go into somebody else's uh, building and work for eight hours a day uh, isn't as uh, nearly important anymore. And companies are finding out they don't need to uh, pay lease space for big buildings that have to be heated with fossil fuels, uh, entered by fossil fuel, people using fossil fuels, and uh, creating these huge carbon uh, prints that are very difficult to recover from. We don't have to have, we don't have to leave the carbon prints that we had to do, that we had to do in previous years. We don't have to do that. Right. Now, one of the, one of the things that I, that, uh, um, it's not really a downside because it actually is probably a really good idea because, like, I used to live, we used to live in a cul-de-sac, and there are, like, nine houses in this cul-de-sac. And when, when we moved in there, we were, like, the third family to move in. They were all brand-new homes. And um, over the course of the next two or three years, they filled up with everybody. The houses got completed, and people uh, bought them and moved in. I didn't know any of my neighbors. None. We were in a cul-de-sac. We we left the same the same street to go out and to come in and we go get to the mailbox and stuff and we never talked we never did any so because we're confined to our homes now more so and uh, we're not we're not out and about as much and restaurants are are and bars and and not that you want to go to a bar anyway but because uh, they're expensive it's twenty bucks for a drink these days and, and but in any event we do need to develop social activities that you can do remotely and do uh that you're not so that you can maintain your human touch your human uh, uh composure and and uh that that's that's that is what i think is going to happen what's going to happen next is that everything's everything's going to change if you think that we're going to be going back to where we were three years ago in the future you're high because we're not man i hope not either god yeah so and yeah. so everything everything is going to progress and that's again the transience of life is that everything is constantly moving and out of necessity out of sheer we had no other choice we're going to be moving forward so i really like the gondola idea i think that that would be kind of cool it also would be fun to to ride around in one of those things oh i think it would be spectacular you know I, the view would be gorgeous especially in seattle and what's so key about this, because I'm a proponent of having link rail from, you know, Everett or maybe even Marysville and have it go all the way down to Portland. There's no reason not to do that. But it's the branching off into the smaller neighborhoods like Ballard, West Seattle, Linwood, um, Kent, um, Kirkland, Issaquah. You can do that by gondola far less expensive and uh, footprints. And, and that's the logical way to use different modes of transportation. You know, there's no reason not to specialize. It doesn't have to be all one thing. And uh, it shouldn't be. 
we shouldn't only be thinking of one solution for everything. We should be using all our tools. Well, you know, recently, if you're not from the Seattle area, recently you, um, and please talk about this a little bit because I'm not nearly as familiar with it, but, but somebody ran into the West Seattle Bridge. Is that, is that right? Or did it, 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 they discovered that there were cracks in it that the, when they built it and they didn't build it all that long ago, but it's, it's not holding up very well. Is that what's going on with the West Seattle Bridge? Um, they did discover cracks that there was, uh, pieces of it not holding together as well as it should have. I don't think that the wreck caused that because the structural problems that I know about were underneath at the, um, at the piers, you know, the columns that hold the bridge up. That's, that's where I've seen, you know, issues, although I'm sure there's other issues along with it, but it's where it's, you know, out of reach of getting damage. I think it's just, uh, wear and tear. I mean, Seattle is interesting in geography because so much of it is soft ground. You know, we've got, we're not all like uh, the islands. Uh, the islands are mostly rock, but the Seattle uh, shoreline proper is a lot of different densities of rock and earth. And that creates certain issues with build buildability. Right, right. Well, and and uh, the reason I bring up the West Seattle Bridge is that for those that are not familiar with the um, uh, with the landscaping, in order to get from the west from West Seattle to Seattle, um, you have to go take that bridge. It really is the only way to get to get to Seattle from West Seattle. And when it broke and they closed it, people recognized and realized that they could not get around. They couldn't get, it was hard to get. It took, um, I was listening to somebody, it took an hour and a half to get from West Seattle to go the three miles it would take to get to Seattle because all the side streets, all the surface streets were completely packed. I was driving on there last weekend doing Route 5, Route 21 which takes the lower West Seattle Bridge, usually. But they were doing some construction in that area and had to close the West Seattle Bridge. So they gave us a reroute. And when I did the reroute at first, which was to go all the way south on West Marginal Way to basically the First Avenue Bridge, and then cross the First Avenue Bridge and then pick up East Marginal Way to First Avenue and then go up First Avenue North. Now, that was a 12-minute reroute, and this was early on a Sunday or Saturday morning when there was no traffic. When I did it on my last run, <laughs> as humans are so often, are so prone to do, they get some, a couple of people got in a hurry on First Avenue Bridge and uh, bounced into each other. And created <laughs> bumper car action and created a traffic jam that added a good 25, 30 minutes to my reroute. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we, we run a delicate course on our highway system. And that's another reason to really uh, support uh, mass transit solutions and gondolas, you know, um, I always kid, you know, maybe aliens haven't invaded us yet because they watch how we drive. <laughs> it's not safe to go there. It's yeah. not safe to go there. And, you know, they're self-destructive types, and 
they wouldn't make good slaves. We, we should just let them be with their own rich. <laughs> and, and, and and they got too many guns. We, we, they got too many guns. We got more guns than we got peoples. And they're willing to use them. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an interestingly sad time that we live in, isn't it? We are, we are messed up, man. <laughs> it is, and and you know, I, it was interesting earlier today. I was talking with a gentleman from um, South Africa, and he by way of London, and cool. he he and he was, you know, the first thing he said was that we would be amazed at how similar we all are, whether we're from South Africa or whether we're from London or or from here. That there are some really great people, but he was he was also making the the point that that we have been misled to a great degree by some folks that have the wrong agenda in mind, and so it's been it's been it's been tough, it's been tough here. So he he thinks the people as a whole are beautiful and wonderful, but that some of our priorities are rather screwed up. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, I I tend to agree with him. And interestingly enough, I, I worked with a woman in an office who came from South Africa. Ah, and she apparently had some money because she was driving a BMW in South Africa. Ah, uh, you would and need that. She she had a security system that was installed in her car, which was referred to as blasters. And I said, "Well, blasters? Well, what are blasters?" And she said, "Well." They're kind of like flamethrowers. If somebody tries, <laughs> if, if somebody tries to confiscate your car, carjack you, you just push a button and it fixes the problem. <laughs> that's like that's almost like a James Bond thing. Yeah, exactly. So I I sort of scooted my chair, you know, another foot and a half away from her, and went back to my work. Because <laughs> I, I never took another cookie off her desk after that. <laughs> Because you don't, you don't know how far her uh, her security <laughs> extends. That's right. Oh man. So, yeah, yeah. Well, she's a she's a sweet girl too. So, you know, I guess uh, those things are needed. And yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. People have have their own agenda rather than what's good for all of us. Um, people like their their pockets lined. They want their own island. That's that's it. And and people really do, and it's it's kind of, it's it's really is sad uh, that that uh, people are not happy with what they have, and and they want more, and they're willing depending on what they're willing to do to get it. You know, uh, I I I my my attitude is follow your passion, um, and and follow your passion, and good things will happen. You know, as the, the same gentleman that I was talking to earlier, he's also an author, and he said. We were talking about being an author and how difficult it is to get published, and and uh, and even if you get published, to sell enough books to, to make it worth your time and make it worth your while and stuff. And he said, you know, if it, if you if you want it to be a holiday, or if you want it to be just a uh, um, a fun little hobby, then being a writer is awesome. If you need, if you decide that you're going to make a million dollars being an author, you might want to reconsider your career choices. Yeah, it's the same thing. I was talking to him about being a podcaster, which is apparently that's what I'm doing, like full throated now. So I'm I've got more podcasts coming up than I can shake a stick at. And uh, and he said, and I said, you know, if you want to make money at this as a podcaster, even if you're good, even if your content is good, even if you have an audience, forget about it. You're not going to make any money. 
Very hey. few do. So you do Very it for few. your passion. And so so let me ask you, how long are you going to drive a bus before you start riding full-time, my young man? Um, I'm going to wait till I make that million-dollar sale in my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're going to retire at and 70, is that? Stop. Yeah. <laughs> With any luck. I'll probably, well, I don't want to say that. Because I probably died driving, but that means, that means you're taking somebody with you. Then I don't get to choose the people to ride with me. So that's out. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is those buses are virtually indestructible. You really, I, I've seen buses that, that look total, and I can't imagine how hard they got in. Oh, boy. You know, they. I give the county every kudos in the book because those things are marvelous. They are. Those things are marvelous. They practically, I, I, I'm going to open up a door here. They practically drive themselves. Well, it's just sort of kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, they do. They do. They do. I mean, you know, obviously we have to decide to stay between the lines and whether we're going to turn left or right, but really their, their transmissions are, are, computerized not to kick in until a couple of seconds after we push on the pedal. So there's that safety margin at lights there. They've got systems where you can't drive them to. They have these governors, so you can't drive them as fast as uh, you want to sometimes. Right. Um, there's a lot of things that they're designed completely for safety, completely yes. for durability. And this is all done because there's some very wise people that maybe are, as concerned about litigation as they are about everything else, but they've made uh, good decisions about uh, the vehicles that we drive. Yep. And the fact is those bus seats, we spend a lot of time in them and they're up to the task. I'm a big guy and I'm comfortable in those seats. Uh, I can imagine a little guy, a little person in there uh, smaller than me would be very comfortable. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, I you know yeah no I'm 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 not a a small guy either, and they worked out. Uh, they work now more so than ever to keep you able to work in without having you know the the um, the repeat stress and that sort of thing uh, is is the only issue that you have really now. And but even the steering wheels are not nearly as difficult. I can't do it based upon my my series of injuries but uh which is and so if you are from you know like metro corporate and you're listening to this i can't move the steering wheels honest i really can't so don't call me back to go go to work okay <laughs> i'm much happier here doing what i'm doing thank you have a nice day everybody <laughs> yes <laughs> You know, but but for you and see, but for you being a writer the way that you are, <coughs> Bless you. excuse me, being a writer Bless the way that you are, it is really good material for you. Oh yeah, yeah, and that you know, I was also surprised. Like I mentioned, I I didn't think of this. I took the job because I understood it was a good job that paid well, but I didn't think I'd get an aesthetic. Uh, uh, an aesthetic experience out of it. In fact, when I signed on to Metro, I had every intention on continuing to learn how to paint. 
And this was a bonus for me because I felt I could leave this job at the end of the day and just focus on uh, artwork. Oh, wow. And that was my full intention. And uh, I worked very hard for, you know, a couple of years on how to paint. I suck at it, but I worked very hard. Yeah, <laughs> I'd write these goofy stories that I didn't work uh, nearly as hard at. And they were saying so much more and so much more fulfilling uh, for me as an artist that, uh, wow, this is the right thing for me to be doing, both uh, for a job and uh, as an artist is to uh, watch what goes on during the day and then write about it. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is that uh, you would consider writing, you would consider writing to be easy for you, right? Yeah. And I, you know, I say that with due respect that uh, I know writers that say writing is a difficult process and it takes a lot of hours uh, to write well. And I agree with that. For some reason, um, I can write better than I can paint or the amount of effort it takes me to write is so much smaller than it is for me to paint. And I would not put myself in the same category as John Seinbeck or Ernest Hemingway. I'm not. Those are great writers. I'm just a hobbyist that's able to put together some good words that expresses uh, what I see. Well, but you see, at the same time, what you put together is meaningful to people, and it comes to life. You have you have the rare ability to make what you write come to life. And I'm real excited about the fact that I'm going to voice a few things for you. Um, oh, I am too. You're great at that. And that's that's really is a lot of fun for me. And so I enjoy doing that. You enjoy writing. So, you know, we let's let's you know, you got some lights, I got a barn. Let's put on a show. And it was <laughs> Count me in, Spanky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're old enough to remember those old ones, those uh, uh, Shirley Temple and uh, and Mickey Rooney uh, things. And at the, oh, at the, yeah, yeah. At the end of every one, they needed to make some money. They needed to get some money. And so they would say, right. I got some lights. Well, I got a barn. Hey, let's put on a show. And suddenly they had an orchestra and they had costumes and they had, you know, the, the thing that would cost a million dollars and they, and they have all that. But that's fantasy for you, you know. But oh, They were lovely. <laughs> yeah, that was, were lovely. That, was, that was the time. Those were, those were just totally... I mean, Alfalfa, Alfalfa was a gifted singer, man. It never got better than that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. By the way, if you want to get a hold of uh, Eric, if you want to talk to him in any way, shape, or form, you can go to his website, I imagine, or, or what's your email associated with your website? My email is studio ehall1 at aol.com. That's numerical one. S T U D I O E H A L L one at AOL.com. Very good. And I will post uh, a link to Skylink. I did an interview with a friend of mine. Name is Marty Westerman. And he's involved in trying to get the Skylink on the agenda for us to uh, replace the uh, link rail system with Skylink. And I'll make sure that uh, I post that link up. Please do. So that people can read about this and watch the interview because uh, Marty, of course, is a very intelligent man and he's very well versed. I mean, he's one of the founding people on this project. And it's uh, worth thinking about because, like I said, we should be using all the tools we have in our belt. 
rather than just thinking in one way. We should think about uh, everything that we have uh, available to us that costs less money, is more productive, is safer for everybody, uh, easier for everybody. There's so many reasons to do this. It needs to be considered. Oh, sure. Sure. As a matter of fact, I'll put it on uh, my independence report as well. And so they'll have a couple of different places where they can access that interview. And that interview will be done by Sir Eric Hall, um, (laughs) the master, the the master writer and and stuff. And it's it's great, great fun to have you here, young man. Well, I'm afraid that our time has run short. And and so is there anything like you would like to add or to uh, tell our audience before we check out? Um, I am next week. I'll have information about uh, a native American from Tuamish tribe that uh, was a catalyst, both in personality and location for Seattle. And we talk about things in transient. This was like a perfect storm of what uh, transient is. Awesome. Awesome. By the way, he is Eric Hall. My name is Kevin McDonald. Now, we are going live. I'm so excited about this. We're going live Monday through Friday at noon Pacific, and we'll have different guests every day. Uh, yesterday, Coriel Kramer was here. Today, Eric's here. Tomorrow, I've got somebody else. I don't know who. I'll let you know tomorrow. Uh, but uh, I've got a bunch of authors. I've got it. It's amazing that uh, uh, folks are coming out of the woodwork because they love the message. They love how we talk about it, and they, they're really appreciative. And so, therefore, I'm really appreciative right the bank. So this is just a lot of fun, and I, I appreciate everybody. And you take care, guys. And this is new, Eric. You haven't seen this yet. And so uh, with this, have a great day, everybody. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.